Good to see you here this morning. Nice to be here in the air conditioning. Uh, it was a bit warm last week, but it was a neat time. Had eight people get baptized last week, and that was very cool. Yeah, exactly. Let's get started. If you have your Bibles, open it to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and they'll get one to you. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. We're continuing our series, Under the Sun. And if you've been with us, it's been kind of a depressing journey. You know, Solomon has talked about, I mean, he starts off the, the book, meaningless, meaningless. You know, everything is meaningless. And then from there, he went downhill. Uh, it seems like he is just pursuing this idea of purpose. And he, he talks about all his exploits, how he tried to find meaning in knowledge, how he tried to find meaning in his work, how he tried to find meaning in pleasure, and all these things left him empty. Last week we talked about how you do not find meaning in your work, you actually have to bring meaning to your work. And we have that backwards so many times, this understanding of what we're trying to find and we look in the wrong places, and Solomon was indeed doing that. And so we're going through this desert of meaningless, and we come to chapter 3, and it's like we stumble upon this oasis, where all of a sudden the clouds clear and the light shines, and there is clarity for a moment in Solomon's thinking. And it's a funny thing how that happens, and, and I don't think it's something that's strange. I think it's something that we understand many times. How many times have you been in this place where you're having this turmoil of faith and you're hanging on by a thread and you're wondering, God, are you there? And in a moment's change, there can be this revelation, this insight that just fills your heart, fills your soul, and all of a sudden you're like, no, I believe, I know God is there, and you're encouraged and you're encouraging others. It's not uncommon that we have these seasons that we go through. And so we come upon chapter 3, and we're going to see these seasons taking place in Solomon's writing here, starting at verse 1. He says, There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. 
He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Now this is a very popular verse. You've probably heard this even at a funeral service or perhaps a wedding. Interesting that those two it shows up at. Or maybe a song back in the 60s, The Yardbirds. Some of you are saying, Yardbirds, who's that? Oh, my generation. But it is a beautifully poetic, insightful passage of Scripture. One that we look at and it just causes our thoughts to, to move into this extreme, this tension that takes place between these dynamics, the tension between these extremes. And, you know, the subject that ties all these things together, the weeping and the laughing, the mourning, the dancing, the time to be born, the time to die, is time itself. And, and there is a tension also that he talks about not only between the extremes of these situations in our lives, but this extreme of time and eternity. And this tension of these different emotions, these different instances take place in the tension of time and eternity. The tension of tragedy, the tension of beauty. It hits us in this space. And... It's interesting that this same space that we occupy often can be a different place in, in our lives. I mean, even this morning, there are some of you who are here this morning who woke up and said, man, I can't wait to get to church this morning. At least I'm hoping there's someone out there, you know, that thought that. And then there's some of you here that your mom made you come, you know, we know who you are. Uh, And here we are at the same space, but something different is taking place. Some of you are mourning, and some of you are, are laughing. Some of you are excited and wanting to be here. It's the same space, but you're in a different place. And what makes something beautiful, what makes the different tragedy or this celebration beautiful is what takes place in time where you are and how you interact with that situation. You see, God allows us to go through all these things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but it says that there is a burden that he laid on, and it's interesting how it words it here. The burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. How does those work together? What is this burden that God has laid on men, and yet... He's made everything beautiful in his time. Well, he goes on and he talks about this burden just being this awareness of the eternal. He's put within the hearts, set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet we don't understand what happens from beginning to end. And so God has put this tension there. There's beauty all around us and we're like fish that are unaware of the water that is around him we know that something else is there. 
There is meaning to all that we go through. You, you go through life and you hit the situation that is difficult and it causes you to weep and you think, is this what life is about? And you can even hit the other extreme where you're, you're laughing and you're joyous and you're just celebrating life and you're thinking, is this all there is? And some of you are in that place, you know, the economy is taking a dive, but your job is doing great. You're getting overtime. You've got a promotion. You've got a raise. Life is going good for you. You lost weight. <laughs> you got a new boyfriend and he's better looking. Everything's just smelling like roses for you. But still in the extreme of that moment, there is this wondering, is this it? Is this all there is? Is there not something more? And then there is the other extreme, the tragedy. And I know a lot of the tragedy stories that are taking place here, where those that you love are sick and are facing death where you've lost job and you are on the verge of losing homes, where there are things that are weighing heavy on your heart and on your life. And you wonder, what is the meaning of this? Is there a purpose in life? Because there must be more. And there's this tension of knowing something more is out there, but this inability to see it, to understand it, to have it grasp our lives. And this is where we live. Trying to find and see the invisible, we ache for those things. C.S. Lewis wrote, it's one of my favorite quotes by him, he says, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And I think that's where we find ourselves so many times. Desiring more, desiring to know what's going on, not ever being fully satisfied, having this tension, there is a time for this, there is a time for that. What is going on? What, what, is, what makes these things beautiful? What makes those times of tragedy beautiful? Well, it's this working of meaning and purpose throughout all the good and the bad. It is God making things of purpose. And I have this understanding that it's there, but I have this inability to truly see it as clearly as I know it's there. And we struggle with these things. We struggle to make sense of our life. We struggle in the times of tragedy and even in the times that are good. We wonder, is it going to last? Is this what there is? Now, the idea of eternity is, is something that just really captures my imagination. I think it's an amazing thing that we only live so much, but we have this idea of more. It's like we have the idea of eternity in our minds, but we live finite lives. How are we aware of these things? How do we know and have the sense of eternity? And there are so many things that point us to something more than, something that is supernatural, something that is outside of our experience of just the senses that we know. 
I mean, you guys all hear those stories, you know, of things that happen, you know, that are eerie, those spooky stories. You know, we used to tell them when we were kids. Oh, yeah, so-and-so, they saw something, uh, you know, a cloud that floated through the, you know, forest, and all the kids get scared. But there's all these kinds of things. I had, about a month ago, I had this experience that was just really... One of those experiences, you guys know, and you've all had these experiences. I know you're all going, okay, where is this going? Uh, that deja vu experience. Have any of you had a deja vu experience? Any of you not have a deja vu? Anyone never have a deja vu? You have this deja I had this intense deja vu experience where I'm sitting there and I'm just going, this is familiar. This was on TV. I was eating this. I've been in this situation before. Have you ever wondered what that's about? No? No, no, no okay. <laughs> okay. Journey with me here. <laughs> it's a good thing my wife is watching the kids right now because she says, oh, are you going to share that? I, Maybe, but... <laughs> <laughs> You see, we've tried to explain deja vu, and I've heard people say, well, it's because we dream, which would actually mean it's more premonition, because if it's a dream that then takes place, it's more of a premonition. And I've heard people say that, well, you know, it's because of reincarnation, but that makes no sense, because that would be living a life that has happened before, but aren't you supposed to be living a life that's different than the life you lived before? So how could you have the same experience if you, you know, used to be Cleopatra or something, you know, it's always your Cleopatra or some king or something. You're never some slave girl that, you know, had no life. And so you, you come back, you wouldn't come back to the same place. And, and if it's something that has happened before, well, I, it can't be something that's happened before because I've got my, my calendar and I could see that this TV show wasn't on until today. It was the premiere and my wife didn't make these things to eat before and I didn't have these people. The, it's not something that has happened in the past. Okay, now I know you're saying, where is this going? Track with me. I'm just going to do this for a short time. And then I'll get back to earth, I promise you. But this is a purpose, there is a purpose for this. You see, God has put eternity in our hearts. We are not finite beings. There is much more that is going on that we have these glimpses of, these tastes of. And trying to understand eternity is a difficult thing, you know, because we think linear. I want you to think of this line not as just a line, but think of this as an aerial view of, say, a parade. And you guys have probably heard this illustration before, where in this parade, there's a lot of things that are taking place. You know, there's the marching band that is right here, there's the Kodak float that is right there, and there's the horses, you know, that are over here. Now, if you're on the, the street level and you're looking at the parade, you might say, well, I haven't seen the Kodak float yet. Because you're over here somewhere, and the Kodak float is over here. But from the aerial view, you get a snapshot, and you say, well, I see the Kodak float. And you say, no, it hasn't happened yet. No, it, whoops, that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> There's the line again. Deja vu, wow. <laughs> I like you guys. Uh, and so you get this snapshot of everything at one time. You see the float, you see the band, you see the horses, and they are all right now. Well, our lives 
are not that kind of picturesque. Our lives, we move through and we, we are in this bound set of time. And so as we're going through this set of time, we encounter the different things. We encounter the float over here. We encounter the horses or you know, the bands, and then we count the horses, the whole thing. It's all there in these different times. What if every now and then God has placed eternity in our hearts? We get, oh, come on, right? Sorry. Right when it was getting good, I know. Well, maybe you thought it was getting good. We thought it was kind of silly. Let me see if I can connect again. What if when we are in this place, and we're having this experience, this deja vu experience. Now it's not working. Oh dear. What if we're actually getting a glimpse of that snapshot? What if we're actually seeing different pieces of the event in a moment of time? What if when we have a deja vu experience, it's actually this time happening see if it'll work now Uh, oh yeah at the beginning okay so what if when we have these experiences what we're really doing is getting a, a snapshot of what eternity is we're seeing our life not just the linear but we're seeing points of time where It's a snapshot, and we think, this has happened before, but really it's just that snapshot of eternity. What if eternity is in our hearts and we just get a glimpse of it? You see, it's not something that's happened in the past. It's something that's happening right now, but we're getting this eternal view. And you're thinking, what the heck is this about? Okay, I'm coming back to earth. God has placed eternity in our hearts, and there are a lot of things that happen to us that give us voices that say, eternity is real. And I think that deja vu experience that everyone has is just one of those voices of God saying, there is more taking place than what you're aware of. There is an eternal life that is going. This isn't you coming back as someone else. This is just you getting a snapshot of an eternal perspective that is God's perspective. Seeing something from his vantage point and not just yours. And it gives you that weird feeling. And you think, wow, I've been here before. I I've, I've, was sitting here with these people. I even thought these things. Have you ever done that? It's like you're walking through the deja vu experience. And I even said that. How could I said that and think that at the same time? And I try and do things that are different, you know. Did I do this? You know, I'm just... <laughs> what's going on here? And there's this... So many things that point us to the invisible and the eternal. So many things that God has done. And you see... What happens is all these things that are taking place in our life, the tragedy of the events and the enjoyment of life only become beautiful in the right perspective of time and eternity. When we see things from God's vantage point. I got to tell you a story in this, this verse. It was, there was a song that written about these verses, he makes all things beautiful in his time. And I was asked to play at a wedding one time, and I was playing the song, in his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. And they told me, I was behind stage, and all I could do was see the top part of the steps, and they said, when you see the bride and groom get up to the top of the steps, then you stop singing. I was like, okay. So I'm singing this song, and I did it once, and I did the second verse, 
and they weren't there. And I'm in his time, in his time. And I did it again, and I did it. I played that song for almost 10 minutes. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, she changed her mind. You know, what's, what's going on? I have no idea. And then someone comes running backstage, and they said, they're waiting for you to stop singing. They're at the bottom of the stairs. Oh, it's like, in his time. They're probably thinking, in his time, when is he going to shut up? This song, I had no idea. So I sang that song. It must have been for 50 times I sang that song in his time. It was interesting. Anyway. <laughs> these tragic events and these life beautiful experiences that we have, what, what makes them, what gives them beauty, what gives them purpose? And I was thinking, what are some areas of Scripture where we see this taking place. And one of them is in Genesis chapter 50. And you can know the story of Joseph, where Joseph is the favorite son of Jacob. And he flaunts it to his brothers. He has his coat that's made specially for him. And he has his dreams that everyone's going to bow down and worship him. And his brothers say, you know, we're sick of you. And so they throw him in a pit and they sell him as a slave. And he gets taken over to Egypt. And he's in prison in Egypt working as a slave, basically. And then he gets out. He gets accused falsely. Goes back into prison some 14 plus years later. He gets out again because of his ability to interpret dreams. And he kind of develops this position where he's actually able to save the nation because of his wisdom and understanding of a famine that's going to take place. And he gets placed second to Pharaoh. And as the whole land is in famine, his brothers then come and look for food. And he sees them, but they don't recognize him because he's got the bald head and the eye, eye makeup or whatever they did back then. They didn't recognize him. That's just my Yule Brenner idea. <laughs> and so they, they go and they, they don't recognize him, but he recognizes his brothers and he puts them through this thing and he says, oh, get Benjamin, I want my little brother. And he puts them through this ordeal and finally he reveals himself to them and they bring his father back and there's this incredible just interaction that takes place. And at the end, they're thinking, oh no, he, his, the dad has died, he's going to kill us now for sure. And Joseph says, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good. And, and that's always been one of those passages, God meant it for good. How does that take place? What happened? Well, you see, in time, God showed there was different purpose. And based on Joseph's actions, Joseph's response to the events that happened, to the tragic events, being sold as a slave, being accused falsely, put back in prison, Joseph still conducted himself in the right way. And being a person of integrity, held on to these things, God then was able to move him to a place where this interaction of beautiful things took place in his life. Because of his obedience, because of how he lived, God had a bigger snapshot. He was able to see Joseph's life and say, yeah, this is bad, but I'm going to make it beautiful in time. I'm going to make it of value and give purpose to what has happened in your life. 
so that you will be able to look back and say, oh, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God made it of value in his time. And another example I thought of, one, one that would be very, I think, clear, probably the, the greatest example is in Luke chapter 23. Turn there with me. This is, of course, at the crucifixion, starting at verse 32. It says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly. For we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. A moment in time. A moment that has eternal consequences. We, we know that the cross, as horrific as it was, was actually something that was beautiful in time. When did it become beautiful? Well, three days later when he conquered death, the resurrection. It brought a purpose to this crucifixion. And, and as these people are there mocking him, save yourself. Well, if Jesus were to save himself, he would be condemning us. And they're mocking him and he is forgiving them because his desire was to bring forgiveness to all of us. And then there's these two thieves and, and this is what really captures my attention is that one of them is continuing and mocking them. If you're the Christ, save yourself and save us too. And the other one says, don't you fear God? He's done nothing wrong. We're getting what we deserve. Now, think about it. This is not his best moment. The guy who's at the cross, he, he's not in the favorable light. He's on the cross. Now, would you really want to encounter God while you're there on the cross? I mean, this is not your best moment. You know, this is more than just, I've let my mom down. God's now next to me. And he sees me. He knows all of who I am. I am exposed. And when he's talking to Jesus, he's saying, Jesus, will you accept me as I am a criminal right here on this cross? Will you see and accept me? And Jesus says, today you're with me in paradise. Powerful, 
powerful picture. And, and, you know, what does it look like when eternity intersects time and changes everything? What does it look like when a, a man or a woman says, I don't want to be this anymore, and they all of a sudden change? Is it something that just happens, or is there this moment that defines it where God injects life into time that changes all eternity. What does it look like when a person's heart makes a change? What does it look like when a person enters into eternity from a moment of time? And we're getting a glimpse of it right here. And if you're there and you're looking up the cross and you're seeing these three men up there on the cross and you're seeing the inner you know, action that's taking place, would you know that eternity just entered into this person's life? Would you know that this person is now forever with Christ? Would we be able to see that he's made something beautiful of even this? How can that happen? How does that happen? How do we move from a place of tragedy to a place of beauty in a moment of time. You see, God is pushing around us. Are we aware? In the times of tragedy, in the times of mourning, in the times of those difficulties, when the stones are being scattered, when we're reframing from the embrace, when there's silence and we don't hear anything, do we still know that God is there? surrounding us. See, Paul talked about this as well in a passage in Acts, a little bit different than what Solomon did, but he talked about it as well in Acts chapter 17. We're going to start at verse 24, actually, instead of 26. And Paul is there in Athens talking to the Greeks who have no awareness of the God that Paul believes and serves, the God of Israel or Christ, the Messiah. And he says in verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth Listen to this. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. He determined the time set for them and where they should live. The time and the space. God determined when they would come into being and where they would be. Why? Why would he do this? God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. He did this so that we would seek him and perhaps find him. That God would place us, whether it's here in the United States, in Upland, California, or if it's in Brazil, or whether it's in China, that he placed every person for a purpose that they would seek him and find him. Even this thief on the cross, even both thieves on the cross 
born for a specific time to have a specific life that leads them to this encounter. Now, this, their lives could not have been good. They're on the cross, convicted for crimes. But God is so masterful in orchestrating that he has them both there at this time to make a choice that they would seek him, reach out for him. One does. One doesn't. One is aware. The other is not. You see, eternity is crashing down all around us. Are we aware or are we oblivious? Verse 28, it says, For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Wherever you are, God is surrounding you. When you inhale, God has exhaled life for you. He is closer than you know. In the tragedy as well as in the beauty. In the weeping, in the mourning, as well as in the laughing and the dancing. In the time of peace, in the time of war. In the time of embracing, in the time of no embrace. Refrain. God is there. He is surrounding you. And he will make whatever you are going through beautiful in time. You need to recognize he is there. You need to embrace the eternity that is surrounding you, the presence of God that is there with you right now in this time, whether it is difficult or not. For it to be beautiful, there has to be the awareness that God is at work. And he has placed eternity in your hearts so that you would be aware. And some of you are here and again, maybe your, your mom dragged you here, but it's not by coincidence. You were born where you were born, and you were experiencing life in this time for a purpose, because God wants you to reach out for him. He's placed you there with a purpose to, you might recognize he's there, that you might grope for him, and see that he's not far from you. In fact, he's all around you, reaching for you in maybe the most unlikely places, making himself and his purposes known in the most unlikely ways, whether they're difficult or easy. All of them have purpose. And there is a time, a season under heaven, where God is trying to reach from eternity into our lives to change us forever. Are we aware? Do we recognize that this is taking place? Let's pray. Father, I think so many times we are distracted from the things that are pressing in around us. There are so many times where we don't see 
that you are at work. We don't recognize and are not aware of your presence pressing in on our lives. And when we go through these seasons of life that are up, that are down, that are good, that are bad, that are happy, that are sad, that are difficult, that are easy, we can walk through our lives with no awareness of you. But God, you are at work. And in this space, in this time, you are pressing in on us, desiring to reveal yourself and make yourself known to us so that we would reach out for you, perhaps find you, Recognize that you are not far from any one of us. And that in you, we live and move and have our being. And I don't usually do this, but as we're praying, perhaps you came here by coincidence, by accident. And you are here and there is an awareness. Your eyes are open to the fact that God is surrounding you, pressing in on you, reaching out for you that you might in turn reach out for him. And you're aware of it. And you want to make that step and reach out towards God. You, you want to say like, the thief, remember me. Accept me as I am. Forgive me. I want to make space for that to happen. And I want to pray right now, and if, if you're in that place where you want to make that step and recognize and embrace the God who is reaching out for you, I want you to pray with me. This isn't a special prayer, and I don't usually do this, but I just feel moved to try and maybe bridge this gap that's taking place in, in your heart in this time with the God who is reaching from eternity out to you. If you would want that relationship and want to step into that relationship, pray with me. Again, it's not a, a magical prayer. It's just an acknowledgement to God. Just pray with me, Lord, forgive me. I recognize that you are here. I recognize that you are reaching out for me, that you are as near to me as you can be. I ask that you would come into my life and that you would make yourself known to me, that you would change my life and move me from a place of meaningless to a life of purpose where I too can see the beauty in everything that happens to me because you are working in eternal ways for my benefit. I receive you, Jesus. I accept you as my Lord. And God, I pray for those who might be here and have prayed that prayer. I pray that you would and encounter them and surround them and make yourself known. May the eternal things of who you are invade their lives. 
bring beauty to the circumstances that they are in right now, even though they may not see it. May they have faith in you, just as Joseph did, just as that thief did, just as Paul expressed, even as Solomon had a glimpse of. You've placed eternity in our hearts. We don't understand it fully. But God, you are able to make everything beautiful in its time. May we trust and have faith that you will do that. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.